0: W.A.T.D. presents John Paul, the Car Doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the Car Doctor.
1: Well, good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program, where apparently we have the same weather as L.A. Snow on the rooftops, snow on the rooftops of... The radio station in Marshfield, same as the snow on the rooftops of LA, I suppose. Uh, but, uh, you know, is this a good time to go buy a car? With us is Kevin Roberts. He's the director of industry, industry insights and analytics for Car Gurus, the number one car shopping site. And um, this week I did two different TV interviews about whether the President's Day holiday was a good time to buy a car. And. Uh, Car prices are coming down. Good morning, Kevin, and welcome to the Car Doctor program.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: So is uh, the President's Day holiday time a good time to buy a car, or is it any time a good time to buy a car? Uh,
2: I I would say it's highly subjective on your individual situation, uh, which is uh, probably not the answer you're looking for. But uh, I would say that's what the market kind of uh, is leading uh, consumers into right now.
1: So um, an old used car dealer once said to me the best uh, customer is the person who walked into the car lot because they didn't have a car. So I guess subjective, you know, if you're really desperate for a car, it's probably the right time to go buy a car, right?
2: That's right. I mean, it, it really depends upon your circumstances. If you really need a new vehicle right now, uh, then it's probably still a good time to buy. If you're looking for new vehicles, lots of great new options out there. And if you're looking used, you know, prices, as you mentioned, have been coming down. So that is a positive time. If you potentially have some time to wait, uh, it may be a better situation for you if you wait longer. But I'll be honest, it's been a really dynamic environment now for the past several years. Um, so I'm always uh, hesitant to say uh, what, what the future might look like on that.
1: Well, there's no better way to be uh, called a false prophet than put a date on something. So uh, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of stay away from that. But there has been a trend, and uh, your report shows a 7.6% decline year over year in prices. So um, we are starting to see the used car prices start to come down a little bit. But the used car prices are still pretty staggering at around $29,000, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, pr- prices are coming down, but I think, uh, you know, if you look at the data in the same report, compared to a pre-COVID average, they're still up almost 41%. Um, so, yes, absolutely positive they have started to come down, um, but we're also seeing, you know, compared to that kind of pre-COVID average, they're still up. The other real wild card that we're seeing right now is, you know, a lot of you know consumers really tend to look at not just the price of the car, but what the monthly payment's going to be. And with the Fed really kind of raising interest rates to fight inflation last year and now expectation that's going to continue this year, uh, you know, those interest rate increases might be offsetting some of those price declines that we're seeing uh, um, on the average prices there.
1: Yeah, and I was looking at your report and the average new car price is still averaging over $50,000. And I guess I remember because I'm old, uh, I remember that uh, the luxury tax used to kick in at about $35,000. Now we're looking at the average new car price, over $50,000. 50 that's a lot of money.
2: Yes. It's, you know, I've been saying for a while, I think, a new vehicle purchase is starting to become more of a luxury purchase. If you look at that average listing price there for new, you know, that's probably the price of, you know, above the price of what an entry-level luxury vehicle is nowadays, right? So I would say new is starting to look a little bit more luxury. Uh, we're also still seeing some of those COVID after effects there. Um, you know, when chips were really in short supply last year, automakers were really prioritizing the vehicles that they can make the most money on. So be it those more kind of higher priced vehicles or higher margin vehicles. And so we're still starting to see that in the marketplace right now. I think as chips start to come onto the scene more, we'll see a more kind of wide variety of price vehicles produced, which should help to bring that number down. Uh, But I don't think it's going to bring it down uh, substantially enough to kind of change that kind of luxury narrative we were talking about.
1: And I remember going by a, and I think it was a a Cadillac dealership about a year ago, and I don't think I saw one new car in the lot. There was a lot of very late model used cars, uh, sort of from the entire GM lineup. There were Buicks and Chevys and GMC pickup trucks, and it was sort of odd to see this Cadillac dealership with a with a handful of new Cadillacs there. Are we starting to see dealer lots starting to get some new car inventory back to somewhere where it belongs? Yes,
2: yeah, so the new inventory is improving. I mean, if you look at the year-over-year numbers, they look, you know, eye-popping. Um, the January figures were up almost 90% year-over-year on our index rating, uh, which is huge. Uh, but if you compare it to that kind of pre-COVID number, it's still, you know, almost 50 seven percent below what it was pre-COVID. You know, I anecdotally like to say, you know, in the U.S. before COVID, we had roughly four million vehicles on lots. We're still nowhere near that. And we're we're dealing with the situation now where automakers are starting to say, hey, maybe we don't want to go back to that way we had things before with, you know, that many vehicles on lots. Um, And so there's a real opportunity, there's a real chance we might kind of end into a situation where we are going to see more vehicles on lots they are coming back but we may not go back to those kind of levels we saw uh, in pre-covid times
1: and and that's you know that's where car gurus comes in uh, as a website when you're when you're going car shopping to be able to sort of look around and see what's out there for inventory and also to look at some of the prices and your website gives the ability to be able to really kind of play i think play the dealer kind of off each other a little bit, because there are still those add-on stickers next to the window sticker on new cars that, uh, uh, you know, market demand increases or additional dealer markup or some other things that can add literally $10,000 to the price of a car, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, our mission is really, you know, building greater transparency, efficiency, and flexibility for both consumers and dealers. So, you know, kind of providing that level of information for both the consumer and the dealer really kind of helps out both parties, we think. Um, But, you know, as you mentioned, uh, when inventory was tight, it was really great to have, you know, a site like CarGurus where you could expand the geographic range and kind of find those vehicles when they were a little bit harder to find. And now that, you know, we're starting to see more new inventory come back, used inventory is still a little bit leaner uh, now, but prices are, you know, high. Uh, it's great to have a site like Targer's where we can tell you, you know, instant market value. Are you finding a good deal, great deal? And it really gives consumers that type of uh, comfort in what they're uh, looking at.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was there was a time where every every town, and it didn't have to be a big city, every town had a Ford dealership and every town had a Chevy dealership. And that really doesn't exist the same way that it used to. And consumers sometimes are going to, and, and we're a little spoiled here in. In Massachusetts, specifically in New England, I guess in general, that you know we had we had probably an overabundance of car dealers, and you go to places like Texas where you know people routinely drive several hundred miles to go to the local car dealership. So there is there is a bit of. Um, uh, a change in the wind, I guess, as far as how all of this goes into play, and a consumer might have to, if they're looking for, uh, and I think I brought this up in the last couple of weeks. You know, the the um, Kia Telluride or Hyundai Palisade is sort of everyone's favorite uh, midsize SUV right now, and dealers were marking those up ten thousand dollars. Well, you might be able to find a good deal on one that wasn't marked considerably up over. Sticker price, but you like you pointed out, you have to expand your kind of zip code uh, um, criteria out a little bit and get and get uh, you know, move move that fence out a little bit and look and say, hey, there's a dealer 75 or 100 miles away where I can save some money, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, we definitely saw that uh, you know, when the Im- new inventory kept shrinking, it felt like month over month it just kept going down. That's when we really saw consumers really take it to expand that geographic range out um to try to find 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 any vehicle, you know, it kind of felt like at a certain point. Um but I, I'd say we're starting to get back into more of a happy medium um, now. We're still on a path to whatever this kind of new new paradigm, I hate to say new normal, uh we think it's gonna be. Um, but we're we're at least on, on a path to it uh now.
1: As long as you don't say paradigm shift, that's okay. You say yes, you. we won't say yeah. paradigm shift. <laughs> we won't say new normal. We're, we're combining okay.
2: them together into a new, new happy medium.
1: <laughs> there, there you go. Um, you know, one of the things, that, and you know, every headline. I don't care what you know if it's a if it's a buff magazine or whether it's uh, you know a trade publication. Electric vehicles are still there, and I just read I just read an article uh, the other day that said. Uh, out in California, they're calling the Model 3 the California Camry because they're so popular and, I guess, outsold the Toyota Camry in California. Uh, electric vehicles, when you, look at, when you look at what people are shopping for on, on your site, are electric vehicles still some of the most, uh, you know, shopped for or at least, you know, gets people's curiosity up the most uh, when people are out kind of looking to see what's available?
2: Yeah, so what I would say is there's, there's a split between new and used uh, when you look at EVs. Uh, but particularly for new, uh, when gas prices were really on the rise uh, in spring last year, man, the, the interest and even the prices of used EV, interest in EVs went up quite significantly. Um, but I will say that uh, that interest level tends to play along with gas prices. So we did see some comeback in that interest. Um, But what I think we're really starting to see now is a lot more kind of new EV models come out to the marketplace, and they're coming out into a lot of different shapes and sizes, more trucks and SUVs and CUVs, which is more what consumers are looking for. And so with that, we're seeing a lot more kind of interest uh, in EVs uh, grow along with that kind of uh, proliferation of uh, body types
1: and kind of off the subject a little bit but i recently heard or read a statement from the chairman of toyota that they're not going to put all of their eggs in one basket so to speak with evs and i remember years and years ago uh the chairman of toyota i think it was a new york auto show said you know consumers should have a choice of you know gasoline hybrid hybrid plug-in or pure electric or or hydrogen vehicles for that matter um do you you know if you had to put your uh, your fortune teller hat on? Uh, do you do you see the future as kind of all electric, or do you see it more like the chairman of Toyota that it's going to be a variety of vehicles that uh, that you know people are going to want to buy because they have that option?
2: I think the major question is going to be what does uh, government policy state on this? Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, discussions about internal combustion engine bans uh, mm-hmm. in the coming years. And, you know, some of these dates are getting much closer. Uh, I still can't believe it's 2023. Uh, so, you know, dates in the 2030s, 2035, 2040 are getting a little bit closer on that front. And if you take internal combustion engine to mean any internal combustion engine, that would mean hybrids as well. Um, which means, you know, internal combustion engine hybrids will likely be taken out of the picture, which means we would have to go either EVs or hydrogens. Um, so I, I think the real kind of question is what's the government mandate going to be? Uh, I think consumers would like a wide range of options uh, for the most part, but I think government uh, government policy is going to be the major kind of question there.
1: Yeah, it it is really interesting. Let's go back to car gurus for a second. If people aren't familiar with car gurus, um, you can you can go car shopping, but you can also, as a as a private party, you can also list your car for sale, right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we're the number one most visited digital platform in the U.S. for shopping, buying, and selling new and used vehicles. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a um, place that's an all-in-one digital platform that is really focusing on locking more inventory and better pricing uh, to give consumers intelligence to shop, buy, and sell more efficiently and with greater confidence.
1: And uh, it was 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 carguru started out of frustration? Was it one of those things that you know one of the founders of Carguru said, "I'm out car shopping and this is, this is a pain in the butt. there's got to be a better way to do it."
2: You know, I don't know if the full uh, Genesis story to to confirm that, um, but I, what, I, what I can say is you know you know one of our core mandates is really that kind of transparency out there. And I think a lot of consumers over time have you know felt maybe uh you know frustration about not being able to know are you getting a good deal uh when you're kind of automotive shopping right now and so I think that's one of the great uh things that cargers helps to do is really give consumers confidence uh to know you know are the is the vehicle they're looking at compared to what else is out there you know a good deal great deal, and really kind of get that uh you know confidence into the uh process
1: and you have you know besides the idea of being able to look at. A variety of different cars for sale, and list your own car for sale. Uh, you also have uh, a lot of research. So, uh, you know, one of the things you have up—I just happened to look at it as we were talking about electric cars. You know, what to know about the EV tax credits. Which, the more you read that, the more confusing it gets. Uh, you, you, it's, you know, it's it, it really does. Uh, but also, you have, um, uh, you know, car reviews up as well, and you know some local folks that, that i know uh Clifford here and uh and natalie harrington and uh and others that from new england that, that kind of have their own little new england accent support uh, you know when we look at some of these car reviews and um it really just kind of gives you it's a pretty all-encompassing site sometimes when you when you look at you know what what you have there and, and what people can what people can look at and uh you know really kind of look at the car online see what there is and then kind of go from there right
2: yeah so you can you can you know find out transparency but you know what vehicles are around pricing is it a good deal not a good deal and then we can really kind of help you with the entire process you said with like articles hey if you're looking at an ev what what is does the ev texture to look like uh, I will say I'm probably more informed than most, and I'm still confused about some of that process. And I would say that uh, it continues to potentially get more confusing by the day. Uh, and, and, you know, like you said, uh, excellent YouTube channel, uh, and we uh, put a lot of great uh, review content on there. And uh, I, I particularly like the head-to-head matchups that we put out uh, where we'll put two popular models kind of head-to-head and really kind of see uh, how they shake out. Uh, which is always a great benefit, I think, particularly if you're looking at one or both of those models
1: yeah it 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 really is kind of nice and and I do like some of the um the frequently asked questions you have in there, like can I sell a car without a title how you know how do I finance a car can i you know can, can I and how do I negotiate a car price uh, you know these are all things that help keep a consumer informed when they're going out car shopping whether they're going to buying new or used and um I think, and you, you, at the beginning of this, you kind of mentioned that monthly payment sort of things. And a lot of times when people go out car shopping, the first question the salesperson asks them is, um, you know, what's your monthly payment? What You know, where are you with the monthly payment? And that's probably not the that's probably not the first thing the first answer you want to give out is it's probably you should set sort of that up ahead of time before you go out car shopping and sites like car gurus can help you with that and kind of look and see what that price is of that car you're looking for and then you can do a little research and figure that out ahead of time before you maybe get talked into something you don't really want
2: yeah so I mean it's, you can you can do the research and like as you mentioned with kind of those FAQ articles I, I think I've been in the industry for a long time now, so there's probably a lot of things I take for granted. But even some of those kind of basics, blocking and tackling questions, I think could be really beneficial for consumers to make sure that you, you know, are going out there with a full knowledge base uh, for when you start to have those, you know, conversations uh, when you're looking for a new vehicle.
1: Yeah, and the idea they're looking, you know, as you're looking for stuff and you, you might want to, you know, look around and see what's there. But the idea that you guys kind of rate the cars as well um, in, in the review process is always kind of nice. But to be able to, you know, look up these things and, and to be able to work through them, I think, just makes car shopping easier. I mean, it, it was always, you know, kind of an old joke and probably not... Really, that funny, but you know, people said, you know, people would say, I'd rather get a root canal than go out car shopping. But the more informed you are before you go out car shopping, the more likely you are to be able to um, make that experience a lot more pleasant. I mean, after all, if you're spending fifty thousand dollars on a vehicle, you should come, you should come away pretty happy, right?
2: I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the the old line is that you know, auto is the second largest purchase you're going to make in your life, right, behind, behind a house. So. Absolutely. You want to go out and you want to have confidence that what you're, what you're uh, looking at is uh, what you want and that you're getting a good deal on that vehicle. And so, absolutely, that's what Car Gurus helps you do.
1: That sounds perfect. And uh, if people want more information about Car Gurus and they want to check out some of the stuff that's there, uh, pretty easy to do, right? Just cargurus.com.
2: Cargurus.com, absolutely. Hey,
1: Kevin, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning to join us on the Car Doctor program. My pleasure. All right, take care. Have a good rest of the weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Why don't you give us a call, and uh, maybe you have a question about your car. We can try to answer that. The the phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. When we come back, we'll kind of dip into the mailbag and see what's going on, but also review the pretty awesome Jaguar F-Type. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD, the South Shores radio
3: station. We'll be right back. No one wants to be left out in the cold. With AAA, you won't be. Their experienced technicians will be there fast to help with your dead battery, unexpected breakdown, frozen locks, or any car issue that comes with winter weather. They're trained to fix most problems on the spot, often without the need for a tow. And you're covered in any car you're driving or riding in. 24/7. Join AAA today at aaa.com/join.
2: Hey there, folks! It's Quinn Kelly reminding you to tune in Sunday night at five for the South Shore's first voice in sports talk radio, The Sports Exchange. Unmatched coverage of local high school action as well as a relatable voice on all things Boston Pro Sports, we've got you covered live at 5 every Sunday night. Have a question for our host, missed last week's show, or just want to share a great sports story, you can find us on Twitter, at SE on WATD. But remember, mark your calendar, folks, and we'll see you Sunday night at 5 for the Sports Exchange on 95.9 WATD.
0: Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD, now back to the car doctor
1: and welcome back to the car doctor program on 959 WATD again that phone number is seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred and uh, you know always interesting to hear from uh, people that are sort of in the know about what's going on just like last week um, you know you know it's, it's 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 just nice to nice to know and it was sort of handy I will I will admit that uh, this week, I, I was called by a, a local TV station, and they wanted to do a story about car car shopping. Is it, is it a good time time to go car shopping? And, um, and I used some of what I learned from last week in the interview, which was kind of handy. And they also found, uh, I was quoted in Car and Driver, um, that I said February is a good time to go uh, car shopping and to... Um, buy a mattress because that's what you seem to see advertised all the time. So, you know, whether it really whether it really is or not, um, you know, you, you sort of have to look around. And you, the whole uh, President's Day car shopping was actually a, a local event. It was actually started by uh, Fuller Cadillac way back when uh, because there, there literally was nothing really going on in car dealerships at the time. Our phone number again, 781 if you want to get through and talk to us about your car and your car problems, just like Ken from Topsfield is going to do. Ken, good morning. Good morning to you, John
0: Paul, and uh, always a pleasure to speak with you. Sir, I had a question on changing the oil. Okay. I was with a friend yesterday, and we were talking about cars and my car, the car I have, this uh, an '011 Mercedes. It goes. It says ten thousand for oil, and I tend mm. to change it at five on any car, just as I do. Uh, yeah. And he said he has. He just recently, months ago, got a 2017 Jaguar M series, maybe a sedan of some sort, mm. and a six-cylinder. But it's a Jag. Yeah. I'm not sure of the model, but I it was it was in a sedan, and was yep. a six cylinder. And he said that Jaguar recommended sixteen thousand, clean oil changes, and I was astounded. I said I, in my head, "I don't believe that," but what do I know? So, do you know anything, have you heard of that? Like, what's the long? You know, I heard of seven thousand five hundred.
1: That's yeah, yeah. I mean, the idea that you can go that long a period of time to me really isn't a great idea only because um, that's an awful long time to go without opening up the hood. Um, and, that's, and that's where the problem is because you're looking at sort of general maintenance on the car and you're saying, well, how often should I get things done? But, yeah, it is sort of interesting that Jaguar says... Um, 16,000 miles between oil changes seems stupid to me but what do I well well you know and I kind of I kind of agree with you know I can uh, you know we have two Volkswagens in our family and uh it is uh you know they they recommend an oil change once a year and uh it's a um it's a, i mean it's a synthetic oil oil change so it's a little bit more expensive than some others but uh it's just sort of the sort of the way they do it but jaguar jaguar is a little bit and maybe it has something to do with uh doing an oil change in a jaguar isn't the easiest thing to do in the world because um it it takes it, it not that it takes really that long to do uh but you actually um you actually don't drain the oil. You you actually use a vacuum pump and suck the oil out of the car. You use an oil extraction kit, which why on earth they had to make it that much more Difficult, I don't really know, but uh, maybe you can't get underneath the car. I've never really looked to see one but uh, but they use they use this kind of oil extraction kit to get it done, and they say they say sixteen thousand miles now sixteen thousand miles if if you have if you have a good car you know best car in the world, chances are in sixteen thousand miles it's probably going to use a couple of quarts of oil and you might you might want to try to rely on you know these cars will have an oil level indicator that will tell you when it's down a quart or so but, you know, does everybody pay attention to those things? You know, we we rescue people at AAA all the time that run out of gas, and how long has the low fuel light been on before they run out of gas? So somebody right. might drive, somebody might drive around with that low oil light on and not pay attention to it, and all of a sudden now you're starting to do engine damage to the vehicle. So for me, like you said with your Mercedes, changing the oil every 5,000 miles or six months, at least someone's under the hood. They're looking around and checking to make sure that everything looks okay. Um, You know, since pre-COVID, I used to drive about 25,000 miles a year um, just going back and forth to work. Uh, Now I don't drive anywhere near that long. So if I paid attention to absolutely the rule that said, you know, or absolutely, the recommendation said change the oil every sixteen thousand miles. That might be that might be f- three years for all I know, and that's that's a ridiculous amount of time to leave oil in an engine. You know, you might you might say, well, I'll put I'll do that in a, a lawnmower, but you know, to do it in a do it in a car that costs you know fifty to one hundred thousand dollars, I don't think so.
0: Well, I just couldn't believe sixteen
3: thousand.
1: Yeah, yeah, sixteen thousand 16, 16, 16, is is what it recommends. You know, based on the based on the maintenance schedule, which is which is just a uh, you know just which is a, a long time. And the kind of the kind of funny thing about it is they don't even have a. Um, that's the that's the absolute first maintenance schedule. Sometimes what will happen is car manufacturers may say they might have a. Five, ten, fifteen thousand schedule, and at ten is where you do the oil change, and at five you just check all the fluid, you know, check the tire pressure, rotate the tires. They don't even have that all, all uh, Jaguar has is you know the first, the first thing happens it's sixteen, thousand miles and uh, and it, it, all it says is, uh, oil filter, renew renew engine oil and oil filter at 16000 also reset the maintenance required light uh lubricate of all things lubricate the the sunroof uh rep- and uh it's about all that's about all you do and it uh they don't they don't want anything more than that at 48000 you do things like replace the air filter and brake fluid yeah. and some some other things but it's um yeah, uh, sixteen thousand is is it, and then it's sixteen and thirty two and forty eight, sure. and uh, other than that, there's just there's wow. nothing there. There's nothing there, which which um, I, you know, I the idea of going that long without opening the hood just sort of scares me.
0: You you got roughly, the Volkswagen says ten thousand. Yep. Say. You go ten thousand?
1: No, no. I I go. I I might go a year. And that car might only go; it might only go five or six thousand miles. But I, right. but I open the, but I open the hood all the time and check the oil, check the, you know, check the right. coolant level, check the, you know, brake fluid, whatever, just to make sure everything's okay. And I'm okay with, you know, that car going short mileage with synthetic oil in it because that's what it comes with. And you know, I peek down inside the engine, make sure everything looks nice and clean inside there. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with going once a year, but, um, but I would never exceed ten thousand miles sets um and I don't even know if I would go ten thousand miles. I know that I would just you know, because these cars these two cars don't get driven a whole heck of a lot. Um you know, they get driven but still I want to make sure the oil looks fresh and clean.
0: Well I'll tell you when I've changed mine at five, it's black gold or it's black.
1: Well it's doing its it's doing its job. And that's what oil should oil should get dirty. That's what it's supposed to do. That's how it's 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 pulling the contaminants out. And that's what it's supposed to do. So,
0: well, always a pleasure to hear. All right, your nation. The very best to you, sir.
1: All right, take care, Ken. Thanks for calling in. You bet. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you have a question about your car, seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred is the number you call in. I promise we would talk about the uh, pretty awesome Jaguar and. um, you know, the Jaguar F-Type is, think two-door sports car. Think, you know, think Jaguar's version of a Corvette sort of thing. Uh, the 2023 Jaguar F-Type, and the one I drove was the R. And the R is, a, is the more higher performance version. And I don't often road test sports cars, especially luxury sports cars. But this one I enjoyed Driving the Jaguar F-Type Performance R Edition brought back memories of the first time that I think I saw the legendary Jaguar XKE, which the XKE was, you know, cited as one of the most beautiful cars on the road. Like the original XKE, the F Type offers stunning good looks and a very striking design. It will easily catch attention wherever you go. A standard Jaguar uh, F Type is powered by a 444 horsepower, five liter. V8 supercharged engine connected to the rear wheels, horsepower and torque numbers are bumped up to a staggering 575 horsepower and 517 foot-pounds of torque that power all four wheels to an eight-speed automatic transmission. So it's an all-wheel drive sports car. The result is a car that can go from zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds, has a top speed of over 185 miles an hour. I don't know any of those things factually. I just know that uh, the reports are that they will do it. Um, you know, this is, this is a car that is very impressive and easy to drive, even though it's a performance car. Um, you can, you can drive it like you're driving Miss Daisy. It's an easy car to drive day-to-day car. You could, you could be stuck in Boston traffic heading, heading downtown. You could be, you know, would I recommend driving it in a winter day? Uh, not without winter tires on it, I wouldn't. But I'm, I'm sure with the right tires on it, it would probably actually be... Uh, behave pretty well and it actually has a setting on the drivetrain for snow or slippery conditions the ride's comfortable in the handling and while handling fast curves uh is flawless the exhaust creates a powerful v8 growl it gets a little throatier with the push of a button and should you care about fuel economy in such an expensive sports car it's actually quite good the epa fuel economy rating is 16 miles per gallon in the city and 24 miles per gallon on the highway premium fuel is required uh safety is addressed with Now what's pretty standard fare in many new vehicles, lane keeping assist, emergency brake assist, driver condition monitoring, traffic sign recognition with adaptive cruise control. You know, we're seeing, we're seeing, it was a time when I did car reviews where I talk about a, you know, all the airbags in a car. Now every car has side airbags and roof airbags and, you know, some have knee airbags to protect you if you get in a crash and you're the driver. So um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different systems, and we're starting to see them in every single car. Jaguar didn't skimp on the interior, which is um, quite striking with a suede cloth headliner and sun visor, as well as uh, what Jaguar calls Oyster Windsor leather seats. F- really, really good-looking car inside. A large fixed uh, sunroof adds that open feel. You don't open the sunroof, but it's a big glass panel, so when you when you uh, open it up, it just gives it just a, a roomier f- a, a feel inside. Not that the cabin feels crowded, but it just gives that little bit more of an open-air feel. I would have actually liked to have seen the sunroof pop open a little bit because I like ventilation, but... Um, mm-hmm. But you open you you open a sunroof, and all of a sudden now you've affected handling. It's kind of funny that you know the glass in a car supports a lot of the the. Uh the chassis dynamics so you can't just go pop and open a sunroof uh you lose some of the structural stability so i can understand why they did it two zone climate control will keep the uh both the driver and passenger comfortable they can adjust their own temperature heated steering wheel adds to driving comfort on cool mornings and like many cars today much of the infotainment system relies on a touchscreen, which aesthetically is pleasing but uh, Oh, it is so distracting. I like knobs and buttons. I'll continue to like knobs and buttons. I will say that forever and ever. Uh, Maybe it's a a function of my age, but I like to be able to reach over and turn the knob to change radio stations. Um, Or, you know, some cars even have volume adjustments that have to be done. Now, again, you know, some of these controls are built into the steering wheel, but still the idea of easy-to-find push buttons and controls. I just like them better. There's a decent-sized glove box, center console, some cubbies, not a lot, but sports cars are not known for their cargo carrying ability, and this Jaguar is no exception. It's got about 14.4 cubic feet of cargo space. It's sort of long and narrow, so easily would accommodate, uh, you know, a couple of small rolling bags, things like that. So, you know, go away for the weekend, or if you know how to pack correctly, go away for the week. Um, Plenty of plenty of adjustments uh driver's seat has lots of adjustments um i don't often put a seat up any further than the maximum you know what i usually do when i get in the car is roll the seat all the way back as far as it goes i found myself uh actually putting the seat all the way back and moving it forward slightly um just because it, it can accommodate somebody with you know taller than me so uh People of just about any size should be able to get in and out of this car. Speaking of in and out, it is a sports car, and you know, a little. You know, is there a struggle getting in and out of it? No more than any other sports car, but you know, keep in mind. You know, it is a sports car still. Tilt and telescoping steering wheel, uh, assist, uh, you know, you'll find it. it it's, this is a comfortable car to drive. There's no question about that. Uh, what I did find, though, even with careful mirror adjustments, the vehicle can sneak into your blind spot, um, you know, partially due to that small rear window. It kind of limits the view. I had the mirrors adjusted to the way I adjust every mirror in every car, which is I kind of put my head over by the driver's side window glass tilt the mirror out just so I see the outside of the car, uh, kind of stick my head in the middle of the car, adjust the passenger mirror out just so I see the edge of the car. When I'm back behind the wheel, I get a much wider view, but still, you got to be a little bit careful because uh, people can sneak up kind of in those blind spots still, and I do my best to eliminate them, but uh, it's just a function of the vehicle. You do need to not just glance in the rear mirror and You know, you you know, certainly pay attention to the blind spot warning systems the car has, but also give a quick look, you know, quick head check look to make sure that everything looks clear. Overall, the F-Type R is an outstanding sports car that delivers dynamic driving experience, stunning good looks, and a beautiful well-crafted interior uh, that you would expect from a Jaguar. If you are looking for a luxury sports car that offers both power, pasture comfort, and refinement, The F-Type R is definitely worth considering. And uh, if you want to see some pictures of it, go to my Instagram page. Uh, Just um, go to Instagram and and, uh, put John F. Paul in there, and my Instagram page will pop up, and you should be able to find it. Our phone number, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900, is how you get through and talk to us about your car and your car problem, and lately what I've been doing is kind of going through the, um, the, we'll call it, we'll call it the mailbag, the questions that come in during the week, and, um... Uh, Someone wrote to me and said uh, a very good friend of theirs passed away in 2002, and they were given a very well-maintained Toyota Camry. It has 105,000 miles on it, um, and they drive about 5,500 miles a year. And um, if that, it says, um, the vehicle used synthetic oil since new, and now even after a full oil change, they're adding one full quart every 250 or so miles. They also just found out the two thousand seven engine was one of the most problematic uh, that Toyota uh, made. So, uh, the, and they say here, as a uh, AAA member, how do I remedy this fiasco in oil? Uh, and and it says there there was never any notification. Uh, what is with that? Was there a solution? Well, the Toyota did not extend any um any repair intervals or anything on the vehicle uh they didn't uh extend the warranty for instance on the engine the car has a 55 year 50,000 mile or 60,000 mile uh vehicle warranty if there was an oil burning issue and this kind of goes back to what Ken was just talking about these long extended oil changes if you don't look under the hood how will you know if your car is burning oil unless a light comes on but um If there was an oil consumption issue in that first warranty period, uh, Toyota would pull the pistons, uh, pull the bearings, maybe replace the pistons, at least put new rings in the car because there was an issue with, and I'm not sure if it was bad piston rings or they just weren't set up properly when the engine was manufactured. Um, what for people who don't know what a uh, the inside of an engine looks like, there's a piston that goes up and down. There's a series of piston rings, um, and they have slots in them, so you can get the piston ring over the piston. There's not a one perfectly sealed ring. So what happens is if all the slots are sort of close to each other, the oil and exhaust gases can make their way through uh, the gap in the piston rings. So... You end up with a car that uses oil, and that may have been what the problem was with this with this engine or it could have just been a uh, um, bad piston rig design, who knows but at this point with uh, you know the car the car was uh, you know the car's certainly not new um, and it has a it has a hundred and five thousand miles on it and it's you know what, what do you say it was it's two thousand seven so ten, fifteen, sixteen years old. Um, what's Toyota going to do about it? Nothing is what Toyota's going to do about it. So you really, at this point, the only choice you really have is, you know, add oil as needed and, or get the engine rebuilt or replaced. Would you try a junkyard engine? Well, not from 07, because you could run into a problem where you're going to have exactly the same problem. So a remanufactured engine would probably be the way to go. That could be a $6,000 repair. Now, granted, this person got the car for free from a friend of theirs, so which makes it, you know, they don't have a lot of investment in it. Or they could just, if they're only driving four or 5,000 miles a year, they could just add oil. But at 5,000 miles a year, they're using, what, 15 quarts of oil? At $5 a quart, Maybe. Maybe you buy it by the gallon, so you save a little bit of money. You're still going to spend $500 on oil, maybe? So depending on how long you're going to keep the car, it might make sense to actually replace the engine. So what I think I would do to try to save some money uh, is maybe the next oil change, I would go back to conventional rather than synthetic oil uh, just because it's a little bit cheaper and just... Top off the oil as needed. Could you try an oil additive like Lucas Complete Engine Treatment, uh, Lucas Stop Oil Burning uh, Formula? You could try it. I don't think it would cause any harm. You could give it a try and see what happens, and maybe it would slow it down a little bit. Something something to think about. Somebody else wrote to me, uh, some very patient people out there, somebody with a 2012 Chevrolet Colorado pickup truck with a 2.9 liter engine, the vehicle has 100,000 miles on it. They've owned it almost since it was new. It had 12,000 miles on it when it was purchased. It has an intermittent vibration at idle with the truck in gear. In the summer, it was worse with the AC on. It's been doing it on and off the entire time they owned it. So maybe they owned it since 2013, so they probably owned it for 10 years. So, again, very patient. They said otherwise, the truck runs good. It idles at around 700 RPM in gear. Any ideas? Yeah, I mean, ideally, if it was an old car with a carburetor on it, you go and you turn the idle up a little bit and call it a day. Um, The computer system in the car wants the car to idle at 700 RPM. It wants the car to idle at 700 RPM with the air conditioner on. It's going to do that. It's not a particularly smooth idling engine to start off with. And when you put a little load on it, like put the air conditioner on, it's going to get a little bit of vibration to it. One thing that I would be curious about, though, Some of these cars, and you could look at if you had a good scan tool, not just a code reader, but a good scan tool, you could see if the computer system was trying to make up um, for fuel mixture. So in other words, it's, it's adjusting for a little bit of a lean fuel condition, and that could tell you there's a little bit of a vacuum leak somewhere. You could kind of when the engine's vibrating a little bit and you have the hood open, you can take some carburetor cleaner and spray around under the hood, around the intake manifold and see if the idle smooths out. I have seen some cases where the intake manifold um, just isn't really tight enough. So uh, go in there, take the intake manifold off, change the type of gasket that's on there. It's an o ring arrangement. Uh, Reassemble it and see if that solved the problem because I have seen intake manifolds leaking uh the PCV, pcv system on this vehicle is not great it can clog up the other thing is if for some reason you changed air intakes to uh kind of a performance style intake because you wanted a little more noise out of it um or you just wanted to go to a, a, a washable replaceable air filter um i've seen some weird issues with those too so something to look at my favorite email that came in uh that I don't know if I have an answer for. Somebody had a 2023, so a brand-new Ford F-150. The tire pressure default light goes on, and they can't read the tire pressure. But here's the reason. They replaced the tires that were on it with a, a light truck tire that takes 65 pounds of pressure. And apparently the tires on the car must have taken 42 pounds of air. So they did that with their truck they traded in a twenty twenty. Uh, f-150 on that truck the tires uh, took 38 pounds of uh, pressure which was listed on the door jamb Uh, what can they do to actually make it so the light works the way it's supposed to the dealer says they can't do anything hmm the dealer can't do anything well the dealer is the one that has the most ability to be able to do that now if you're able to reprogram the system, which most systems are, unless Ford did something really weird in 2023. And I find it odd that they would, because you can get wheel and tire upgrade packages from the dealership. So if you went in and bought an F-150 and you didn't like the wheels and tires on it, you could go in and say, can I get bigger wheels and tires? So I'm not sure why they can't do it, but maybe 2023, they lock something out where you can't. But There is a uh, probably the most popular tire pressure monitor tool is a tool called uh, uh, Bartek. And you can normally go in and you can clear the, the tire pressure monitor system so as if you were putting a brand new tire pressure monitor in, and they default to something like 148 pounds. So you go in and you set it to what it's supposed to be. So you use a combination of the um, scan tool data and and the the tool, and you're able to reset that to where it's supposed to be. Bartech also has the ability to reprint a new decal for the door jamb. So you can put the new tires on, reprint the new decal, stick it on there, and you, you should be good to go. Again, I'm not sure in a 2023 if that's possible. It was certainly possible up to 2021, so I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, but uh, again, I find it odd that you can't change the parameters of the tire pressure monitor system so it will work properly. Why don't we take a break? If you would like to give us a call, our phone number is seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred, seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. You're listen to the car doctor program on ninety-five nine
3: WATD. We'll be right back. No one wants to be left out in the cold. With AAA, you won't be. Their experienced technicians will be there fast to help with your dead battery, unexpected breakdown, frozen locks, or any car issue that comes with winter weather. They're trained to fix most problems on the spot, often without the need for a tow. And you're covered in any car you're driving or riding in, 24-7. Join AAA today at aaa.com slash join. South Shore Hockey fans, please join us every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for the Ted Donato Show, Ted Talks Hockey, on 95.9 WATD.
0: Sponsored by the Casken Flagging. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the Car Doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now,
1: back to the Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. And uh, we were talking to uh, Paul uh, last week, and he talked about the uh, the Tesla crash that hit the back of the fire truck. And, you know, full self-driving crash concerns prompt a recall. Tesla is recalling nearly 363,000 vehicles in the U.S. equipped with or pending installation of its full self-driving beta software because of an increased risk of crash. And could it be the result of the graphics package and lighting on the back of fire trucks is that what's causing to crash could be we don't we don't really know but AAA is um also looking into some of that sort of stuff coming up in the future as well the recall covers certain 2016 to 23 model s's x's as well as certain model threes and model y's uh NHTSA said on Thursday, that the automaker's full self driving software may allow the vehicle to act unsafe around intersections, such as traveling straight through an intersection while in a turn only lane, a stop sign controlled intersection. So, back of a fire truck sounds like it could be to me. Um, so, certainly something to look at. If you're concerned about recalls in your car, and we just put out a recall notice this week. Um, Uh, download if you if you have any kind of smartphone download the NHTSA app the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration app you can put in your vehicle identification number and find out if your vehicle has been recalled we have three vehicles in our family and um I was notified that one of them the the newer Volkswagen has a recall and uh, unfortunately they don't have a remedy for it yet so it has a recall but they can't figure out how to fix it and it is an airbag related recall um so, you need to be a little careful. Let's talk to John from Boston. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Um,
4: I- Good, thank you. I have a '97 Mercury Grand Marquis. I called you before a few months back, but uh, I have 558,000 miles on it. I bought it 21 years ago with only 33,000 miles. Now, my work requires me to do a lot of traveling. This car Obviously. Has been unbelievable. <laughs> this car's been unbelievable. I still got the original water pump, starter, radiator. I mean, 98% of the parts have never been changed, including two ball joints. So go figure that. I kept the oils changed. Everything. The engine does not burn oil. It's quiet. You can't even hear it when it's running. Are you surprised at this engine that the, in this car that has gone this long? I called Ford. They said they got him registered with over a million miles in Texas, uh, Florida, California, where there's no rust belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they said, call us if you hit a million. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not well, going to make it because of the rust, as you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is. it is sort of interesting that, you know, some of these engines can do really well. And you wonder why and i'm sure it was emissions related or something that you know w- why ford even did away with the crown vic and 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 the grand marquis because they were such dependable cars for the most part um right. you know they they changed a lot over the years certainly but uh you know they're you know the state police never want to give up their 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 crown Vicks. In Massachusetts, because they like driving them, they're roomier, they're more comfortable, they handle well. You know, can you go a half a million million miles? You can if you're doing all the things you do, which is you're driving. You're driving a lot. The engine's getting hot. You're changing the oil regularly, and you know how long can it go? Uh, You know, it's anybody's guess at this part because at this point, because chances are Ford when they. Developed that engine, developed it to run 180,000 miles, maybe. So you right. know where you're three times that. Um, right. You know, are, are you on borrowed time? Maybe, but I think I would just keep doing everything you're doing. Keep all the fluid levels full. You know, I think it's your style of driving, where you know, if you were if you were a taxi cab driving around the city 24 hours a day, you'd never get half a million miles out of it. But because yeah, because you're varying speeds and you're driving a lot uh and the idea that you still have two original ball joints in the car tells me that you're you're easy on the car um so i think i think it's i think it's somewhat attributable to the engineering ford put in it but i'm willing to bet at least 50 percent of the longevity of that vehicle is is attributable to you the driver
4: well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the Toyota burning the oil in 2007. My brother's gone through three Toyotas in the 21 years I've had this. Every one of them eventually burned oil in his cars. You know what I mean? The highest he got of one was 150000 and he was putting a quarter a week into it, and he gets to get rid of it
0: you know so yeah. that's the
4: price the toyotas you see them everywhere and i have friends that bought the toyota 4rav now they're burning oil and they can't understand why everybody hears about toyota they got such great advertising the cars are good cars if you get a good one but a lot of my friends that had them actually burn oil
1: yeah i mean it is it is sort of interesting because we have seen some of that and again some oil consumption is normal if you know a quart right. of oil every week is not normal but yeah. you know on on uh, you know in audi Pushed it a little bit. Audi, a few years back, maybe more than a few, said, you know, our um, our two-liter engine, uh, it's it's normal to burn a quart of oil every, I don't know, eight or nine hundred miles. That to me is mm-hmm. nonsense. You know, that's yeah. something you would expect to see in a car that's got a hundred thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand miles on it. Uh, they were saying, oh yeah, brand new. That's the way they are. I think it was just a really lousy design engine that burned that tended to burn a lot of oil. But um, you know, right now. Um, you know some of the Acuras and uh, Hondas with the 3.5 liter engine, uh, up until 2022 at least, had some <laughs> oil consumption problems. So you think of you think of Acuras building and Honda building some of the best engineered vehicles on the planet, and in a lot of cases they are. But can they have right. some engines that burn oil? Yeah, they can. And uh, <laughs> uh, but you know you go back to the idea that your V8 engine in your car doesn't produce a whole lot of horsepower, but it mm-hmm. also doesn't work that hard and that's what right. adds to engine longevity and as much as you know we have these 300 horsepower four-cylinder turbocharged engines that you know that run good and yeah you're only pushing it hard when you get your foot to the floor but your engine is kind of loafing along most of the time and that's what adds it's to the longe- cool. that, that's what adds to the longevity
4: they also told me a good mechanic friend of mine it's a well balanced engine like when it's running it's just sitting there it's not hopping and skipping and by the way I changed the oil every 4000 I use synthetic I go down less than half a quart in that time I don't even bother topping to it off I have no leaks in the engine it's unbelievable one thing I had to replace at 90000 miles was the intake manifold I've never changed it since
1: Yeah that was a, that was a bad design and you know the new manifold kind of cured that so yeah you right. know did Ford did Ford make perfect stuff you know the uh you know the you know way back when the three liter v six you know they needed about th- four more head bolts in them because the head gaskets were 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 failing on all of them uh you know the three point the and three, 3. point eight liter yeah yeah the three point eight liter engine was not great it wasn't terrible but it wasn't great you know they had they had their share of problems too but the you know the four point six and the five liter v 8s they were they were good engines so you know it's you know it's it's uh the guy that I get my cars from um has a has a vehicle like yours, and mm-hmm. you know he can drive any new, you know press vehicle he wants to kind of evaluate it. He also has a couple of other cars of his own, but he takes when he wants to go out somewhere he takes his uh, takes his uh, Grand Marquis out because he likes driving it so much and it is such yeah, a comfortable comfortable car to drive. Yeah. Hey, we're it just is. about I'm out of time. We're just about okay. out of time, but thanks Thank thanks for joining us. Bye bye. Yeah, time's, time's getting a little bit tight, I think. Look at that. Music coming up and everything. Yeah. You're listening to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. Until next time, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you do see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.